Hi, I'm Emma Cousin, and this is Chats with Artists, where I chat to an artist about how they're feeling, their work, and the strange times we are in. In this episode, I talk to Brian Alfred. Brian Alfred is an artist, podcaster, educator, and curator based out of Brooklyn, America. Brian works in painting, drawing, collage, and animation, and some of you may know him as the host of Sound and Vision, one of the top visual arts podcasts in the world, and the podcast A Brave New World. Brian and I talk about... Hello, Brian. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Good. You've got such a good voice for this, you know, for the podcast medium. (laughs) Thanks. I I beg to differ, but um, it is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I wondered if it had been something you'd you'd perfected, because it does like you're so chilled as well in them, you know, in in your podcast. Yeah, you know, my my son was asking me, because he's starting to do some, like, YouTube videos, and he's like, how do I... How do yeah. I do like the voice? <laughs> <laughs> you see? <laughs> yeah, but, so, yeah, you learn a little bit about like, you know, how to talk into a microphone, I guess, to where it doesn't. You try to make yourself sound as good as possible. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm learning that slowly. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You're, you've got a great voice. It's, it's so, you know, now I have the new mic, so it's all getting better. Oh, yeah. You've upgraded. yeah i feel like i rarely do the other side so it was really relaxing to join in on this today because i was like i don't really have to not that i even mentally prepare necessarily but it's just nice to not it feels like getting in the car and being in the passenger seat and i usually always drive so it's nice (laughs) yeah nice so do you not prepare that's interesting like how do you how do you how do you prepare or not prepare um i well, it depends on the guest. So if it's someone I know, I feel like I don't really have to prepare. You know what I mean? If, yeah. if I'm going in cold and I don't really know the person's work that well or I've never met them, then I just try to – it's a balance. I try to figure out you know, some things, but I don't want to know everything because I want to discover in the conversation too. So yeah, you know, sure. it, it's, it's kind of like you do – a little research without going down the rabbit hole but there's some people artists who've been around for a long time to where they've just been doing a lot of different things over decades so there's more to mine and you want to know more about you know that path beforehand yeah. so you know it all i think it all depends and it depends on the vibe of the person too yeah that's true yeah whether they're a good talker yeah and you can tell i don't know not always, but a lot of times you could tell if an artist, like if they're the kind of person who will want you to have known more about that, like to dig in <laughs> and do more research. You know what I mean? And some people are just like real laid back and, you know, yeah. you know, it's it's like dating someone, you know? <laughs> I love that. You didn't know that about me? Yeah. Like offense. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's, there's, um, you know, I, let's, okay. <laughs> Like if I'm, so I do the podcast, right? But I've been making art, like I've been showing since like the late 90s and it's sort of like out, I guess, in the public as far as my art's concerned. Mm. And once in a while, I'll talk to someone and they don't know that I'm really an artist. (laughs) So, which is fine. I get it. Like I'm not, but a little part of me is like, oh, (laughs) But uh, don't you know, I'm a, I, this is what I do too, you know? So well, I, I like it. So it happens both ways. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's I, I think there, there, I've, I've talked to, I'd, I'd say out of like all the people I've talked to, I think there might've been two who, um, and they were older artists who were like, oh, you didn't know, you could get a vibe that they were like, oh, you didn't know that sort of thing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or, yeah, not offended. Sort of yeah, yeah, not offended, but a little like, oh, well, you know, well, I did this. And then, like, <laughs> and then I felt like, oh, yeah, I probably should have known that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there is such a fine line there, though. I mean, it also speaks to this, because uh, with you, I obviously want to speak about the podcast, about the two podcasts, but also I do want to speak about your practice and your work and your making, like, as an artist as well. It's like this dual. Um, 
role <laughs> and actually there's music too right yeah that's and, i mean that's football yeah i'm sorry about yesterday <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just can't we can't talk about it. no I'm, <laughs> I'm joking i mean yeah um i think it was uh it's so interesting how those things can bring people together though i mean i was thinking about it in terms of like art and football you know the kind of union like it's sort of a different church or something yeah yeah it's funny there you know the neighborhood that i live in in brooklyn there's obviously there's a lot of creative people in like east williamsburg in this area and you know and and dealing with football and and youth football and seeing like there's like a lot of other parents or artists or work in creative fields and stuff so you realize that you know they're not too far apart i think i was liking you know the the making art and sort of practicing an instrument or practicing sports is similar in a way you know you go to the studio you go to the gym you go to you know <laughs> yeah. the pitch or whatever and you're just you're working on what you do you know yeah the practice thing definitely yeah i've never taken to calling my like making art a practice I know mm. that's kind of like a thing that's relatively recent is like an art practice. I don't really use that word, but mm. I get it it is, I guess in a way. Yeah, I mean it's a bit of a turn off word because it makes it seem less fun. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a weird word for it. In in probably for me because I spent my whole life practicing football, you know, and mm. and practicing playing guitar, and I feel like with art, I guess you do practice it, but it, it feels less that like you're working at getting better at doing it and you're, but you're actually, you are, but you're trying to make a better or a, a deeper thing each time you do it. You know what mm. I'm saying? Mm, mm. I, I don't know. That's a subtle difference, I guess, but it's not like every game you play, you're like, I'm going to try to make this game a little better than the last game. You're just trying to be a better player. No matter, you're going to have your up and down games, you know? Mm, mm. Yeah, that's true. I guess. What, what would you prefer? How do you refer to it? Cause the other thing I hate is work, right? Yeah, I guess that's generationally meant that might be my default mm. in my work. I, what isn't it that great? Isn't a Baldessari painting? Oh, geez, I'm probably gonna mess this up. But I think <laughs> it's a Baldessari painting that says something like "artists who call their work work" or something. I don't know. I love I, I love that kind of like sarcasm, and you can't win. Yeah, no, you Whatever can't win. You, it's just go into the studio and make an art. Make an yeah. art. I guess I call it that. <laughs> Make it nice, nice. I like it. And and how does the we 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 do want to talk about that, but I'm interested in how the podcast making, like how did the making podcast even start? Well, it's so like if if I think about art in my life, obviously, mm. like the mm. podcasting is so recent. You know what mm. I mean? It's it's just a few years old, really. So, um, but it came about because I started driving to teach in pennsylvania so i would leave um on tuesday morning really early and it's a four-hour drive there and then i would come back thursday after my class four-hour drive back so i was at the beginning of that i was listening to music to sort of keep me awake on those tired drives and after a while that doesn't really do it you know like after a <laughs> while you just need something else to stimulate the brain and so i started listening to podcasts and audiobooks and I think I just, you know, I had the idea in the back of my head, like, oh, it'd be cool to speak to art or or kind of like, why aren't there podcasts that I want to hear with artists that, you know what I mean? Like, I want to yeah. hear artists talking casually about like art and life and learning a little bit more about the artists themselves as opposed to just talking about the work. Mm. And I felt like there weren't that many of those. I don't really think there were any when yeah. I started so definitely yeah it's it was just to scratch that itch so it took me like i think like a year and a half maybe almost two years to actually from when i said okay i'm going to do this to when i actually launched it so there was some research and, and development on it i think it's a lot easier now like podcast has gotten a lot more popular and it's a lot easier to make one yeah for sure when i was do when i first started i was like okay how do i figure how do i do this you know it took a little time i didn't want to you know it's like if I'm gonna do something, I wanna I wanna do it. I don't wanna like half ass it, you know. So I yeah. I wanted to do the research and and you know 
and I remember hitting like 20 episodes or something and someone once told me like, oh, if you make it past 20 episodes, that's kind of like the key. Ah, Most okay. podcasts die under 20 episodes or something like that. I don't know. It's probably not true. <laughs> but, you know, I felt like, okay, I'm on this. Like I can just keep doing it. Mm. I get yeah, that like that. I mean, I, in life, I just, I'm like that. I'm streaky. I like to, I like, I'm a creature of habit. Mm. So I just, when I start something, you know, like I, started trying to not eat meat in 1993 in college because I lived next to a McDonald's. I was like, I'm just going to give it a shot for a week to not eat meat because I felt like crap eating McDonald's every day. Yeah. And and it stuck. And that was 1993. And I haven't had meat since then. So, you know, I get impressive. Wow. I, yeah, I, I don't even think about it. It's just that's the thing. I get into like a rhythm with it, you know, where I, yeah. I just like to do things. So so now the podcast is like a weekly thing that I don't even I don't it's like vegetarianism. I don't even think about it anymore, <laughs> really, other than just setting it up. And like when I go to eat, I eat what I eat. When I go to podcast, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna talk to this person. But it's it's so ritualistic that like it would feel really weird not to do it. That's amazing. It's like the opposite of addiction, or maybe it is addiction, but it's like addicted to good things. I think that's probably, probably <laughs> it. Although the weird thing is, like, I think a lot of times with like addiction, when we think of like addictive things, it's yeah. something that is like takes over your life. And I think the stuff that I'm addicted to fits into my life really well. Like, it's not detrimental, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, caffeine is kind of like an addiction, my only drug of choice, and, mm. you know, but I got to have it, and it's a drug. So, it's, you know, it's it works, though. It helps. It fits into my life at this point. Yeah, that's but that's quite impressive, too, to fit it all in. I, I mean, that's always part of the juggle, right? Exactly. Oh, hold on. Let me have a little sip of coffee. Sorry. <laughs> speaking of the coffee okay got it <laughs> you need that hit I love yeah. it. i've had to i've had to stop drinking coffee because of migraines and it's like the worst thing to come off ever i'm like i miss it every day <laughs> oh, that's funny because i used to it's not funny it's that's <laughs> Hilarious. That, that is something because i used to get migraines as well like serial migraines and um and caffeine is what they give you in a lot of migraine medicine to help your migraines because yeah. it, it has to do with the blood vessels in the brain or whatever. But um, I'm sorry to hear that. That's that's tough. It's one of these things. I think I feel like we go through maybe as, as I feel like it's a creative thing. Maybe it's just my way of rationalizing it. Um, I don't know if you felt like this, but it like slows you down and you have to turn inward a bit and just lie, lie down and I don't know, thoughts come like there are definite <laughs> positives, you know? <laughs> yeah. You mean so, not on caffeine? not on caffeine <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> stimulus free um well i've noticed that when i the only time i'm ever not drinking coffee is whenever i'm coming off of like a stomach bug or i'm sick or there's some mm. like massive reason why i can't have it and what it does to me it flatlines my day like it flatlines me i become very mellow and yeah when I drink coffee, I don't get freaked out anymore. Like my tolerance is crazy. So uh, it, it kind of keeps me at that level nowadays anyway. But I just, I feel no ups and downs during the day. And I don't like that. Like I like, it's kind of like um, living in New York. I like the seasons. Like I, it kind of sucks when it's really cold out or when it's really hot out. But I like the feeling of change. And then during the day, I like the change of you know, the dynamics of like after I drink a coffee and then when I get that crash afterwards, I kind of like embrace all of it. <laughs> <That's lovely. laughs> I also like, it's great because also there's, it's like thundering here, really like dramatic thunder. So it's like it's doing the caffeine outside for me or something. Oh, Which nice. <laughs> but how does this all feed into your painting? Is that my, I guess one of my other questions was how does the okay caffeine maybe, but also the podcast, like at what point did this start to become like, do they feed into the paintings? Does it influence the work? Like, has it changed? Because I know you collage painting and drawing and digital animations. So what, and maybe there's more there that I haven't <laughs> touched on as well. Um, how do they impact or influence the painting or the, the, the going to make art, the making of the art? I think probably 
the easy answer would be it doesn't really change the way that I'm working in the studio, but factually it does, but it changes it in the same way that like conversations that I have during the day do or where I go and what I'm looking at, or, you know, if I fly somewhere or travel, like all the, the parts of the world that I'm taking in, how like my work, what I, is that bad to call it my work? My artwork. <laughs> no, don't do it. Own it. Own okay. it. So the stuff that I do when I go into the studio and make pictures, <laughs> that stuff is basically I'm interested in the world around us. And I use the environment to sort of show like it to talk about human beings and talk about who we are and sort of the dynamics of of our existence through just like the setting, basically, you know, and like what that means. So like if you have a city that's just jam-packed and it's you know full of like buildings and smoke and cell phone tabs are like sending off signals and stuff like that like it tells you a little bit about our society or if you know you know what i mean so it's kind of like the environment as a stand-in for people mm. and, yeah, and there's, there's never people in them rarely i mean there there's silhouettes sometimes and occasionally there's people but it's really about sort of like when I have people in paintings, it's just a portrait. And when I have the landscape in paintings, it's usually the landscape is talking about who we are or, or that relationship. Mm. So I'm, I'm putting the viewer in the, the image as they're looking at it, not with other people looking at it, basically. So, mm. you know, it's, it's kind of like the podcast and what I learned from speaking to all these people and, and the sort of experience of that, I don't think it directly changes my work. It's not like a, if I talk about, you know, a certain movie in a podcast, I go to the studio and make a, a image based off that movie. It's not that direct, but mm -hmm. I just think it feeds into my brain and then everything in the studio is like coming out of that. So it, it's probably a little passive in its influence, but it definitely influences it. Mm. yeah it's interesting because also that the idea of like people collecting people almost and then I don't know inventing there is there aspects of like imagining where people might exist or it's just from like real world right it's like a a mix that's the thing too is a lot of times when people would ask about the images that I'm making they ask oh are you just taking pictures of places you've gone or are these imagined are they from the internet or you know how are you coming up with this and it's really all of the above you know yeah because some things are made up some things, yeah some of it is exaggerated or you know it's it it depends on the image really mm. i had a i had a moment when i was in skowhegan where i said to myself i want to because i was making these very hermetic sort of systematic fractal based um paintings and they were all based on these like sort of mathematic equations and sort of number sequences. So I have like, um, I had this moment where I said, I want to just be able to paint anything. You know, like if, if I go to a lake and there's like, you know, a massive storm and, you know, all the birds fly away or something. I don't know if in the sun burst out, like I want to be able to paint that. Or if I go see like, if I see a demolition of a building on the news, I want to be able to paint that. If it's a windy day and there's papers flying through a city street, I want to paint that. So basically at that point in my artistic life, I made a big change to where all the paintings were coming from within. And then I kind of flipped a switch and I said, I just want to, I want all the work to be about what's around us. Mm. Yeah. And, and also like taking away the rules to some extent feels like, yeah, is self-directed rules. So, I yeah. mean, our world is filled with rules and there's rules about how you see and, you know, there's all that stuff that's latent. But yeah, it's it was less self-imposed because I went through, you know, in school with music and with art, I was really into sort of conceptual stuff and the ideas and, you know, the heady parts of making work. And, um, and then I think at a certain point, I, I thought to myself, that was... You know, I was steeped in academia and I was really into that stuff. But at the end of the day, I was really, I, I wanted to connect directly with the world and with viewers on an image that was a little more straightforward. Mm, mm, yeah, a very direct, like paired back because they are quite um, e economical, maybe. Yeah, for sure. That's on purpose.
Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of, you know, it always feels like decadent when I do it. Like I'm behind me now in my studio. Mm. There's like a painting of a sunset sky and there's flowers and plants in the foreground and like a little bee flying around. And the middle of the big flower in the middle is like probably a quarter of an inch thick white paint. That's just like I taped around that shape and just like spackled it on there and pulled the table off. So it's super thick and it feels really um, extreme compared to the rest of the surface. But when you see, um, I mean, what most people these days see artwork and reproduction generally, S you know sadly. what I mean? Yeah. So no one knows, like you can't tell until you, so mm -hmm. it's like the difference between you know hearing a record and seeing the stuff live you know it's it's it kind of is live that's how it's made that's how it's meant to be in a way but but it is really important how it exists in reproduction or in you know mm -hmm. in the simulation of it the recording of it or whatever it is so it's kind of uh hopefully it works both ways yeah for sure and it's interesting because it, it, I mean, my ultimate, like immediately I'm asking questions like, how do you avoid like the cliche or are you moving towards cliche or like sentimentality or like, is there anything that you wouldn't paint? Like if you had instances where you're like, I'd really want to paint this. And then you're like, oh shit, it just doesn't, it just doesn't, you know, and why and what is that? Do you know what I mean? Like it's quite open. Yeah. I think it is pretty open. I mean, I, I don't think there's much that I, don't that i would say would be closed off i'm not that worried about cliche i don't think that i'm that worried about cliches because they don't really lock into like very specific things you know what i mean to where i because a, a lot of my work is about this duality or a little bit of like gray area like nothing like if if it's about like an impending doom or something that's scary or something that's beautiful or whatever there's always a little bit of something else in there to keep hopefully that keeps the the viewer on their toes so i don't know that cliche is something that i'm too too worried about ever really but there's but that what i mean i guess what i mean is you can sometimes um like spook yourself before you start you know like the idea of the idea of i think you said the wind blowing through leaves and yeah. then that sounds like a cliche right but actually in the end it becomes something else in the act of the painting i guess yeah definitely and i've gotten to fortunately i've I think I've gotten, well, maybe it's a good thing or maybe it's a bad thing, but I think I've gotten <laughs> to the point to where I don't really worry that much anymore about yeah. what people think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is fantastic. I mean, I, I mean, do want people to think things and I'm, I'm trying to make images that engage the viewer in a certain idea or a feeling or whatever, but mm. if people miss it, which they always do, you know, there's always <laughs> going to be some people who get it and some people don't get it no matter what. So yeah. I've, you know, I'm at the stage of my career and of making stuff that I feel like, well, it is what it is. If you like it, great. And if, or if you're interested in it, amazing. If not, then, you know, it's not for everyone. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You've given in to that. I like that. Cause you, you, you mentioned that a few times, this idea of like, I don't know, being around for a while in terms of like also teaching, right? I mean, presumably yeah. that gives you another kind of perspective as well on your own work and another kind of quiet confidence, maybe. Yeah, I think it's the confidence I feel in what I do isn't necessarily that I feel like the work is amazing. It's just yeah. I feel confident in it's what I want to do and I feel passionate about it. Yeah, absolutely. So to me, that kind of makes it like i'm not going to worry about it you know i'm not yeah. going to spend time worrying if if like this is going to make critics head spin or you know or if yeah. it's going to be i don't know it's just i it's what i'm interested in i i've kind of a believer that if you're not 150 percent into what you're doing like people will sniff it out and it, it won't it won't people won't buy it you know they not literally but i mean they, they just won't <laughs> buy into it like you kind of know when someone's really into what they're doing i think and even yeah, if it's sure. not your cup of tea you can at least respect that they're really passionate or that it's their sensibility you know what i mean mm -hmm. like there's some artists that you know i've watched a career over decades and it's not maybe it's not an aesthetic that i gravitate towards naturally but i really respect what they do because of the conviction they have and the commitment to the investigation of that specific aesthetic you know mm -hmm. so 
I, I guess when it comes to my stuff, what I'm doing, I just, I just do what I want to do. And I think that, you know, doing, it's a combination of like working for a while and feeling like I'm never really comfortable with what I'm doing. I'm just always, always trying to push it and get better at it or like tweak things or make things stronger, whatever it is. But mm. I'm just saying essentially like if I want to paint leaves blowing in the wind, <laughs> I'm going to try to make that the best leaf blowing in the wind painting that I've ever made <laughs> or something that's really cool to look at. But I'm not necessarily going to worry that people are like, oh, he's painting flowers. Weird, you know, or that mm. seems mm -hmm. kind of lame or whatever. So, but then when when your work is open to a lot of different things you might have a docile painting of flowers on one wall and the other wall is like an explosion you know with like debris mm. flying all over so it's all part of our world yeah you know yeah 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 well, i was just interested i guess because it sounded like that shift maybe maybe it begun at skowhegan or maybe that kind of cog shifted a bit definitely which is kind of insane that it happened at that Maybe it's not insane. I can see how it would happen there, but it must be. It must have felt incredible to have happened in that environment. <laughs> it happened in a moment. Yes. Yeah, so and great. I think I've talked about it before, but it, I was walking to my studio, and my studio was the furthest one out in the cow pasture. And mm -hmm. as I was getting close to the sculpture studios, like this massive dark cloud front, like rolled up, you know, and it and behind me was really light and a blue sky and really nice, and then this big storm. You could just see it moving in. <laughs> And as I got close to the studios, the sculpture area, um, a bolt of lightning came down and like hit a tree and it knocked the tree over into power lines. And like there was like a spark and then the, the power went out. Shit. And so I went to the studio and I that's what I painted. And it was just from my mind, like I didn't take a picture or anything, but I just was like, that's what I want to paint. I want to paint that stuff, like the real stuff that's happening. Wow, so you were actually kind of hit by light, lightning. So yeah, it, was a, it was a light bulb <laughs> moment, but like a lightning bulb moment. That's so cool. Wowzers. And that I mean, is a cliche. Yeah, but no wonder you trusted it because that <laughs> stuff feels, this is why I like cliche. Like I'm interested, I asked about cliche because poets reference cliche a lot, like saying actually it's something we should be like using and interested in and like it's helpful. It's not yeah. a forbidden fruit. Right. I mean, cliches yeah. are cliches for a reason, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's so great. And I think there's something interesting there because, like, I, I want to know. I guess like now we've and now we saw how it got unplugged, but also you mentioned this idea of the conceptual stuff and and maybe this like diagrammatic and you were saying it's like all these formula and you know this idea of like um, this this process, this like really intense semantic process w were you into maths and stuff as a kid like was that something was that like how you were forever mm. like from the beginning or, or what no. were you interested at school like was it well so I took a class I went to graduate school at Yale and I had to take a elective so I took this class on fractals because someone was telling me about it and they said that the guy who teaches this class is like the assistant or the understudy of the of like I think Mendelbrot or someone who just was like the fractal person. Mm. It sounded kind of sexy, <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll take that. So I took that class and it was like a mind blower because it was it was it was kind of about the sort of visualization of um, sort of like exponential growth and connections and like the speed of like measurement you can like measure coastlines with fractal it, it just was like really cool i didn't really get it i'm not like a math nerd i mean i <laughs> i maxed out in calculus in high school and i think that was it so it, it was more of just a compelling idea of of a class and i don't even know if i did good in the class i don't remember but i remember being really into it and so i took the the seeds of the ideas of fractals in that class and made my own in my painting. So I'd make number grids and just build out these fractals where a point would become three points and three points would become nine points and nine, you know, it was like this exponential branch growth and then I would paint things into it. So it was, this is what I do. This is, so this is what I'm really good at, not being really good at stuff and then using it and just like beating it in the ground or like trying to take it somewhere else. So like, I'm not that great at guitar, but I will play it and learn it myself and then do my own thing with it and try to make it like, you know, 
kind of like idiosyncratic and something that's just me, you know, mm. not necessarily good. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's it's 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 also like maybe a way of understanding. It feels like like if you were like add like building this thing, you were sort of visually demonstrating this idea that you obviously understood the idea, but you didn't quite necessarily get all the nuts and bolts, and but you could kind of show it somehow or something. Yeah, it's like um, you know, like if you go to another country and you don't speak the language, but you kind of see them doing some certain things. So you go home and then you kind of co-opt some of the sensibility or some of those things, but you don't really know where that's from or like how it works exactly. But then you become up with your own version. And it starts to become your own thing, you know. And then I, I think that's probably what happened in that process. But then it became a defense mechanism where it's like they were really labor intensive. And I was because my teachers didn't really care for my work for the most part. There were a couple who did, but most of them were just like, what are you doing? So um, the one thing that they couldn't deny was that I worked really hard and each painting had a lot of work in it that you could see. And I made a lot of work and large scale work and I worked all the time. So it was the blue collar thing of just like, this is my work, you know? Mm -hmm. And you may hate it, but you know that I worked hard at it. So I I felt that way in school because I felt pressure to, like I wanted to be the hardest worker. I knew I wasn't going to be the best, but if I work hard. And it's funny, to this day when I coach kids in soccer, I don't necessarily care about the player who's got the best technical ability. I like the player who just works his butt off. Like he'll like the <laughs> warrior, you know, the one who will just go to battle and like work and work and work. Because talent is just given to you. Like you don't earn it. It's just given. So your work ethic is really what you bring to the table, I think, you know? Mm. That's so interesting about the football. I'm remembering last night watching watching the match and the one you the one you kind of root for, the one you end up you know going oh he's had a great game is the guy who's like running around everywhere who's on everything is on the ball who's like you know and there's someone on the side like Grealish and the sidelines who's like looking pretty but not really doing what I don't know <laughs> no I know of... exactly the the two people yeah I know I agree 100 <laughs> percent but I really like that in terms of I mean do you still have because it I guess with painting it's hard sometimes you need to step away and not do the work and sometimes you have to I mean you have to turn up but um, the thing about the hardest worker, is that still relevant or is that something you were able to like let go with a lightning? I, I had to, um, yeah. I had to release from that. It was good to, to learn that, you know, you need time to reflect and all that. Yeah. But it's like, it's like, uh, you know, like if you're a boxer, you know, when you're coming up, you got to get yourself ready. You got to go through the rounds. You got to like, you know, work go crazy you know and then you mm. know it's not sustainable mm. for your whole life to work that hard you will burn out and i had like an, a professor of mine who you know told me you know this was after i had gone on and i was having shows and doing stuff he's like just listen just don't burn out like you're going really hard here and you got to make sure you don't burn yourself out and mm. i think he was speaking from experience so you know i think it's just natural mm. you just slow as you you know <laughs> you you can't <laughs> keep that breakneck pace, you know, for forever. It's like uh, in baseball, you know, the pitchers who, when they first come up, they're just throwing like 102 miles per hour fastballs every time. And then as you get older, you learn how to pitch. Like you learn how to throw curveballs and off-speed pitches and you pace yourself a little better. And I think that's – although I think I've supplanted the nonstop studio time of just working really hard in the studio all the time. And now I – I, I work on my paintings and I work hard at that, but I also do a lot of other things too. So I still have that work ethic. It's just not all my eggs aren't in one basket, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the other thing to, that we realize eventually. Um, but that sounds like good tutors. Like, although maybe some of them didn't like the work, then it sounds like you had some really good people around at various key points. Yes, which is important for... Um, longevity and like in morale so the good i don't know if you call them good because <laughs> you learn just as much from awful teachers yeah than you do for good teachers but 
the risk of the awful teachers is they can make you want to leave the party. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I completely know what you mean. <laughs> like if you're an up and coming DJ, and that's what you want to do. You can learn a lot from going to a really awful party with a terrible DJ. And then, you know, but the thing is, you might not want to be a DJ anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> no, that's brilliant. Um, and in terms of like your, your, I guess I'm interested, like, were your parents, because the work hard ethic often comes from parents and like this pressure. You, you mentioned like blue collar, but was that something you were brought up with? Like, oh, you got to work hard and then you'll be fine. Like, was that something that was playing itself out? A hundred percent. Ah, okay. It was my, my parents just worked really hard, blue collar. And, you know, I started off my first semester in college in med school because I did really well in biology in high school. And, you know, I didn't want to do it just because I wasn't into it. I mean, I started it because my teacher was like, you have to do this. You're really good at this subject and you can get into you know, University of Pittsburgh, which is a great med school. And so I did that because it was sort of people told me like, oh, you should do that. And when I went there, I was just not that into it. And then I thought to myself, well, if you're going to be you know, performing surgery on people, you should probably be into it. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> right. So I switched and my parents were the kind of parents that said, look, do whatever you want to do. Just work really hard at it. So that was always instilled in me. Like if, and then it was like the whole thing of like, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life sort of thing. So mm. just, you know, follow what you want to do, just work, your butt off at it so yeah i think that was instilled in me growing up yeah no that's and i think it often kind of is which makes art like a funny choice because like how do you measure the work <laughs> right yeah just honestly it's like punching the clock you know <laughs> seriously it's it's like being there mattered like when i was in school like going every day to the studio and just being there and sometimes you're chatting or you're you know you you make a crappy piece or you're just throwing stuff out or whatever it is but you're just there you're thinking about it you're working on it you're involved and you're going to lectures and you're going to classes and you're just submerging yourself in the fluid of what it is you know and you know that's i think that's important sometimes you have to go to the studio and you just sit there and think and it's really yeah. important to do that and people who aren't artists hear that or would see you doing that and be like what it, that's ridiculous mm. but it's really important and it's working in a way so you know i think that yeah it was the the metric is difficult with making art but um you kind of you could tell if people are, yeah. are in there for the work you know and I'm you could tell the show. people who were in there for the like I want to be an artist and I want to show or, you know, whatever the, the sort of the idea of it more than just getting there and doing it. Mm. And were, were you parent, like in terms of metrics, I guess it's interesting with parents, were they always like, did they come to shows? Were they like, Oh yeah, this is great. We can understand it. Like, is it a language you were brought up around, I guess as well? No, not at all, but they, they like it, but they didn't study it. So, uh, but they always appreciated it and you know and we're supportive but my parents my, my parents worked so hard it was hard for them to travel a lot so they would come to certain shows and but um but yeah that i mean art is a language it's just like if i did become a doctor you know they would they would like that i did that and they would be proud of that but they wouldn't necessarily know what i'm doing in the office you know what i mean <laughs> you have to study it like you have to art is just like anything else you have to understand it to to really understand it you know you have to study it a bit mm. no, i mean anyone sure. can come to it and look at it and be like oh that's nice or that's not nice but if you really want to understand what the artist is doing you have to sort of think about who they are what they're doing what time they're making it what the work's about mm. what it's related to in the past and all that stuff so there's the surface level appreciation and reading of something and then there's the deeper understanding of what is trying to be um, achieved or attained in the process and I think you you have to study it or you have to understand it in the latter yeah. no for sure it reminds me of a show I had that was in the north of England so my grandparents could come so my grandma came and I was really excited but also quite nervous and she stood in front of this painting and she looked for ages and she was a very small lady like very uh, short and she just said 
well, it's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> no, that best. was it. It's interesting like, means I don't understand it. But... It's, it's, oh, well, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's like that was it. And and that was all I was going to get, no matter what question I asked next, you know. So <laughs> I guess I was wondering if you had similar kind of, uh, you know, do, you know, what is their what is their relationship with your art like, I guess? Oh, well, the, the thing, it's not fair with me because my work is... I try to lure people in with beauty or with, <laughs> with like the veneer of everything looks really nice here. Mm. And then the, the menace and the, you know, the, the twisting is like kind of really subtle under the surface, more subtle sometimes than others. But, um, but yeah, it's a little easier for me because I try to like make them look really nice. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 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 They're not you know, gross. It's, it's, it's like a, a song that's a, beautiful song and the lyrics are just brutal you know it's like <laughs> it, like if you think of brian wilson you know i mean those harmonies but you know what i mean but there's some no, darkness totally. in there so I, I i've always liked stuff like that that mm. seems to lure you in with something um kind of nice and then you know then it, you get hit don't you think dolly parton's the genius of that though like if you think about her hooks and then actually like the lyrics of something like the bridge where she's talking about like essentially suicide and like, you know, rape. And it's just kind of insane. The stuff that goes on in the songs. I imagine to be totally honest with you, I don't know Dolly Parton that well. I mean, of course I know the hits and I know her, yeah. but yeah. I don't know the music that well, but I will draw a parallel that probably fits Yeah. that I know much better. And that's Billie Holiday because Billie oh, Holiday yeah. is just, she melts you, but the lyrics, I mean, are gruesome. You know, yeah. like a lot of times they're just heartbreaking. So, yeah, it's it's definitely like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really fascinating. I mean, at what point, because it's interesting that often that happened in the performance too. Like if you watch Billy's performance, you can, you, you like cringing and you, you can't look away and you want to cry and it's like in your body somehow. And at what point, I guess, does that happen in the paintings? Like you talked about this twisting. Like are you... You know, what I guess I'd call that like slightly fucking it up. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But then they don't look fucked up, the images. So at what point are you doing that? Like, you know, is that a palette decision, like in terms of color? Is that, is it like a, I mean, obviously it's not a um, a gimmick, but what happens? Is that just the, the process? What is that? Usually it's, it's a combination of factors, but usually it's a vibe, which is created by sometimes lack of humans and the feeling of like a vacated landscape like something's about to happen or just happened or there's something odd about that part of it you know what i mean kind of yeah. like i think we all figured that out firsthand during the uh the pandemic when you would like i had a uh a video piece that was playing in times square on one of the billboards and it it just started running like the day before like full-on like you know locked i don't know if it's full on but but where people were like okay stay home sort of thing yeah, it was yeah. just really weird like we drove in it was the last thing we did out in the public for a while and we drove into times square and it was empty and it was weird you know it's like see like only like two or three people and almost no cars it was just a very strange feeling wow, and yeah. i guess that is a sort of you know, an example of like what I tried to do or what, what maybe the work uh, alludes to with that kind of feeling, you know? Mm, that's amazing. I mean, that must have felt so eerie and, I don't know, creepy. and Yeah. Well, especially given we didn't know what the hell was going on. I've, and I've always mm. been like freaked out by movies like that, like I Am Legend and like War of the Worlds. <laughs> or like, or, or like You know, those movies <laughs> were like, it's like post-apocalyptic and you know one of the it biggest could, it could happen oh totally yeah i mean in a way it does happen sometimes you know like in, in smaller doses but um it's like a dystopic um sort of fear because you know if there's one thing that we've learned in the last year and a half is like uh society is fragile you know like this this relationship we have with our landscape and with you know, in this case, it was like something biological, right? But but environmental as well, and socially as well. Like everything is fragile. It's like a house of cards, you know. Mm. And like if certain things don't happen or work, then the whole thing is just like it seems like weird. 
Like I remember when we were driving into Times Square, there were also there were just like some people, like random people, like lurking around that seemed like disheveled and and I'm not gonna say these were homeless people. I don't know. They were they were just people who were, you know, like didn't seem settled and Mm. like it was a little zombie apocalypse, you know, which was kind of like weird. But there was nothing like it was just quiet, you know, it was a quiet New York City. But it just didn't feel right. Yeah, that's bizarre. So is that like a weird thing to try to be tapping into in some of these paintings? It's not all <laughs> like that, but you know, the the ones that are that that are a little more menacing or dark or, you know, kind of like have that sensibility, that's the mm. sensibility that I think is is there. Mm. No, it's interesting. I mean, I guess I'm always interested, like when do the paintings exist? Like are you imagining them forty years from now and then people looking at them or are they sort of a warning or is it about a past like there's something interesting about fusing past present and future i guess as well which is inevitably what we're all doing yeah some some are very much in the present i think you can kind of sense it through the group of images and the dynamic of the show but mm. some are like i did a show in new york um it must have been like two years ago maybe but it was all just images of new york and that's what it was about it was like almost like a love letter to new york city but it was you know some of it was beautiful and some of it was like the grime you know what i mean it was just the city but then i did a show in japan like years and years and years ago called global warning and it was all images that could have been present or could have been future but it was kind of alluding to the fact that like the environment is something that people need to think about Mm, yeah for sure no, that's interesting. But, you know, and do you read sci-fi? Is that like feeding in? Is that because like to tap into that? I have, uh, yeah. I mean, I have historically. So I went yeah. through the Philip Dick phase, and like you know, oh, yeah. and the and Blade Runner was a huge, like all that stuff. Yeah, I've been into that stuff in the past. I don't watch it as much these days. Mm-hmm. But um, Koyana Scotsy was a huge movie for me. It like blew my mind. And I think if my paintings are in tune with something like that, I think that is um, maybe a parallel because it's just images of our world, but it's like, it really gives you the sense of like, oh my God, like we are like mm. doing something to this planet and like, it's a little crazy. Mm. That's amazing. I and mean, was that, I mean, inevitably, I guess that was maybe heightened over the pandemic. I mean, I don't know. How did, how did that influence the work? Has it? Yeah, I mean, well, that's a good question. Has it? Uh, yes, it has, directly and indirectly. And the work was already tapped into some of those things before. So it just changed the interpretation, I think. Mm. Like, I'm working on my next New York show. And there's images in that show of like vacated cityscape vacated like covid places and stuff so not it's not all that but there's images of that in there so that's pretty direct yeah i did um i collaborated with my friend ben who i work with animations with a lot and uh he's amazing amazing photographer and motion graphics guy we did a is a music video for fortet He's a British musician, and um, it was for a song he did called L.A. Trance, and it was just all empty photos of L.A. that Ben took during the pandemic, and then I sort of made them into um, sort of digital drawings, and then we animated it. So that was an animation that was like, couldn't be more linked, you know what I mean, to the yeah. pandemic. yeah. No, for sure. I mean, could you actually get in the studio or was it leaving more space to do like collaborations and animation, digital stuff? Like how did it impact that? I, yeah, I wasn't going to the studio because the studio building over there, there's a lot of people over there. So I was basically, I worked at home on smaller work. So I did a bunch of collages and I had like a, like an online viewing room with my gallery of the show, the collages at some point, but mm. I, I made all these small collages and then I, made small paintings and I worked on animations. So I just, the only thing I wasn't doing at that point was going over to the studio and working on the big ones that I'm usually work on over there more. So, um, I mean, I was productive. I didn't have a lot else going on (laughs) Yeah, for sure. working at home. Yeah. Yeah. But you had your kids at home, presumably family life, like everything's kind of more, I don't know, on top of each other. 
Yeah, but it it kind of I mean, considering how hard psychologically it was to go through that um logistically i mean my son was on school and on his computer and he's older so it wasn't like you know he wasn't like a five-year-old running around i felt for those people i mean i think psychologically affects kids who are older more because socially but um younger kids are just like yeah whatever i'm home but then they're just you know driving you crazy because they're running around tearing up the place and you can't get out you know (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. it's a different chapter yeah but um it it worked i mean i i made it work i i made work during the thing and there wasn't much else to do i did a podcast too that was just based on the pandemic was i was gonna good... ask you about that yeah the brave new world i wish i thought of that title <laughs> yeah and it it was it just felt you know boy it felt like that you know so it was just i just said i have to do something here that you know, addresses this. So, and it was just, you know, I just did it while we were in that mode. And then when we and exited that mode strictly, mm. like where I think we kind of like got a handle on. Yeah, it kind of, it was great for that moment. You know, it was something I felt like it was, it was great too, because it wasn't me talking. It was just people sharing their voices about their experiences, which was really I think helpful for me to hear other people, you know, talking about their situation. Yeah, for sure. I there's something about saying it out loud as well that just make I don't know, gets you off your chest and then someone else says the same thing and then you know, it's it makes everything seem a bit more manageable because you you know you're not doing it on your own. Definitely. Yeah. It's um yeah, a lot to be going on with though. <laughs> <laughs> and are you in a band too, is that right? Uh, not anymore. I mean I was ah, okay, for... For ages, you know, well, not ages, but yeah, I guess when I was younger, you know, I was in bands and toured the country and played, you know, made a couple records. <laughs> but yeah, those those days of band life are gone. But I still try to keep active with music. Like I was telling you, I just did, uh, you know, with Ben, we did a a video for, or yeah, a video for uh, Fortet and. Um, there's a band called the Centennial from Denver and we just did a suite of um, videos for all the songs on the EP which just came out it's um, Patrick Meese who plays drums for Nathaniel Radcliffe and in his band and you know it's it was really cool the project to work on and a lot of times when I do my animations I collaborate with musicians to make music to it so it's been something I'd, I try to stay active in without actually having to pack up a van and tour the country. Although, that sounds like fun at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get back on it, maybe. Um, and then I just wanted to ask you about New York, because you said, like, you know, your last show was this love letter to New York, and you're living in Brooklyn. Obviously, being there through a pandemic is, must be very particular, not just because it's suddenly empty, but because then you're in a city. You know, I'm in London. It's not that dissimilar, I guess. But... I just wanted, I guess, um, how you how how you feel about that and the changes, the political changes have also happened, obviously, um, and how it's feeling now as a space. To- um, it was tough because we didn't have a yard, you know, we didn't have nature really, which I think was anyone who had a place outside the city and who could escape. That was probably really nice, but uh, we uh, we really New Yorked it. I mean, we. <laughs> I feel like I earned my New Yorker stripes. <laughs> I don't know if like being here 22 years does it or going through a pandemic and staying here does it, but hopefully I've become like a true New Yorker. But uh, it's, you know, it's, it was challenging um, just in that you don't have space, like, because we weren't, we were pretty strict, so we weren't really going out. So we're just every day inside, you know, it was a little um you know it was what it was i guess but um the thing i love about new york is that like everyone i kept hearing people on podcasts or people talking about oh new york's dead and like there's like everything shut down and there's like crime everywhere and it's gone rogue and it was not like that at all i mean yes things get a little crunchy and things (laughs) have gotten a little crunchy but i mean i've talked to artists who lived in new york in the early 70s you know, and, and I've heard stories of people, what would happen to people going to their studio and all this. I mean, it's it was never, you know, 
it wasn't that bad. It was just, um, you know, it was hard, but um but the great thing about New York is like it just comes back. Like the people here are like unstoppable, you know? They just it's back now. I mean, like people are just doing and the people wore their masks for the most part and people got vaccinated for the most part and you know, people just try to pull together and get things back up and running and it feels good. I mean, uh, it, that people are able to go out now and sort of go to restaurants and be responsible, but also, you know, enjoy society and in the city. Because ultimately, like if New York doesn't have the restaurants, the art, the music, Broadway, you know, like what is it if it's not all those things? Like why are we paying what we're paying? You know, <laughs> like why yeah, be exactly. here? Exactly. Like that's kind of what makes it amazing. So, you know, that was kind of the bummer part of it, but um, it's back. So, yeah, yeah and yeah. just as bonkers as ever. So that's why <laughs> that's we love it. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, good to hear. I feel like we're, we're slightly behind, so that's always like a really positive thing to hear as well. Um, but I'm also interested, like, what what's that going to do to the work? Like, I feel like being inside when you're kind of talking about this this outside looking, wide open thing is so interesting you know to, i'm interested to see the next body of work and what happens there yeah I'd, okay so the work that this is just between me and you <laughs> <laughs> me you and the bedpost yeah but the work for the show that i'm going to have in march in new york city because i have a show coming up um in october in japan mm. and that's kind of an amalgam of different work like some of it is pre pandemic some of it is during like it's a mix mm -hmm. but the work for the new york show is actually going to be kind of like themed around not themed around covid but it's this idea <laughs> that of like both places that we're stuck in and places in our mind we would like to be mm. you know so it's going to have both sides of it it's going to have the sort of um the, the feeling stuck in these places or like what these places are saying about like emptiness or, you know, like the kind of depressing side of, of what we've experienced. And then also the sort of beautiful, like expanse of like escaping that. So that's kind of what I'm working towards. It's not done. Like I'm not, you know, it's, it's in the phase of doing it now. So it's still malleable and it's never defined explicitly, but um, that's kind of what I'm working through now. Yeah, they sound like really juicy conditions, though. <laughs> like stuck in, and then also imagining the place you'd like to be. Right. Like, yeah, great. It's like they're polar opposites, really. Mm. And some of the images are like daytime, bright, and nice. And then others are like dark, nighttime, nightscapes. So I think there's going to be a duality there, too, as far as like the uh, contrast of the work. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And do you do you paint the night ones at night? Is that important? Like, because I feel like light's very important with your work, but maybe I'm. Um, n no, I I'm I think I paint them when I have time to paint them, whether that's day or <laughs> night. <laughs> so yeah, I think there's a lot of times where I'm painting. I mean, there are. I hear artists talk. Obviously, I talked to a lot of artists. I hear talk mm -hmm. artists talk about. Oh, I built my studio with Northern Light, and I only work from like eight in the morning until one in the afternoon because that's the. I'm like, that <laughs> must be nice because I work whenever <laughs> my the rest of my life isn't on fire. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I, I just work when I have the time, and there's stuff that comes up. So, you know, if I don't get a, a good work day in because I'm doing other things, whether it's teaching or like family stuff or whatever it is, then I go over after dinner and I'll paint. You know, for hours and hours into the night. You know, so yeah. it just depends on, and I, unfortunately I can't be like, oh, well, I want to paint tonight, but I'm painting a daytime painting. So I can't do that. <laughs> it's just like, nope, I just got to go and do it. You know? Yeah. 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 <clears throat> I get that completely. Um, brilliant. So, um, first of all, where can we see this show? So the one you just mentioned, where's that going to be and how can we see it? So, um, the show in New York, which will be in March, I don't, we don't have the exact date, I don't think, but um, is Miles McHenry Gallery. And it will be in the 22nd Street space. I think it's 525 or 511. Anyways, it's the old Max Protest space, which is the very first gallery that I ever showed at in New York City. So I'll be showing in the same space that 
my first show was in, which is kind of cool. You're, you're so spooky. Like the Scowhegan thing, the Times Square thing. Now this, I like there's something like the uncanny. Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah. Do you not ever get spooked by these coincidences or serendipity or whatever you want to call it? <laughs> no, I don't. And it happens in the work sometimes. And I just kind of chuckle at it at, these, at this point in time because I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there was when September 11th happened, I had like these a giant diptych of two buildings imploding. Whoa. And yeah, that were just from an image of like, I think there were Chicago high rises that they were imploding to make room for new buildings or something. But I was fascinated by the symmetry of the explosions. And, um, and then like I was doing this painting years later of a McDonald's on fire. And sure enough, like the next week, I think it was in Singapore or Indonesia, someone like set off a, uh, like a, I don't know, some sort of explosive in a mcdonald's and it set on fires like a protest i was just like it's weird when you make a painting of something on the wall and then it happens in the news you know like something I mean, very similar to it that is pretty weird yeah <laughs> that's like have you ever are you spiritual do you believe in all that in it? Well, all that stuff any of that stuff some of that stuff are you kind of fortune telling are you going into like have your palm read or I don't believe in the sort of, uh, in well, it's not belief. I haven't delved into any of that kind of stuff, but I do believe there have been certain things that happened in my life that are like, um, there obviously there's something else going on. Like there's some other kind of communication, you know what I mean? That is like really yeah. interesting to me. So, uh, and I, I'm not religious. I don't, I mean, I didn't really, grew up very religious, but um, I do, through my family, um, experience a lot of Buddhism because when I go to Japan and in our family, we have a lot of traditions and there's a lot of kind of like um, in Shintoism. Anyway, well, it's it's a long story, but I do believe in sort of the spirit of things and that, you know, that there's kind of like an energy and all that stuff. I know it's weird. I, I, I kind of feel it and I don't ever really verbalize it or lay it out verbally or so I, I don't think it fits into any, um, I don't know, like any sort of one religion or, you know, or way of thinking or, or tarot cards or any of that stuff. It's just, <laughs> I feel things, you know what I mean? It's, it's weird. It's hard to <laughs> describe. But, but maybe it comes full circle to that idea of like knowing that what you're doing is what you should be doing. Cause then all these things keep happening that are like kind of telling you or confirming these confirmation biases. Like, yes, this, you are in the right place at the right time because this weird thing is happening. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's or maybe fantastic. it's just, it's not even that you're in the, I guess the way I think of it is, mm. It's not even that you're in the right place at the right time. You're just in the place that you are in, you know, and then that makes sense or there's there's a reason or I, I used to always use that expression. Everything happens for a reason. It doesn't mean it's a good or a bad reason. It just happens for a reason. Interesting. Well, this is great. Um, well, I always end with two questions. So the first one is, have you found, is there anything that you found particularly helpful in the last sort of 18 months, I guess, but specifically. Um, <laughs> it's hard not to go here. With I found it really <laughs> helpful to be pretty diligent about washing your hands and like using Purell. <laughs> because I've just used to get sick a lot and I feel like I haven't really gotten sick much at all. So I think it works. <laughs> I love that hygiene. That's always helpful. Yeah, like you know, I actually have to agree. Like I do. I remember like someone saying right at the beginning, "This is how you wash your hands," and having those like diagrams of how you do it and yeah. like, the back of the hand and all that stuff, and being like, "Oh come on!" And then you do it, and you're like, "Whoa, this is really there's something very good about it." You you know, and you're, you're right. You don't get ill. There's something right. in that. Well, and I always used to at any given moment if I felt like I should rub my eyes are itchy, I would just rub them. And now I realize, uh, maybe wash your hands for, or don't do it. Yeah, for sure. Like little yeah, things yeah. like that. I mean, that's yeah. a very like tongue in cheek, superficial thing that I've learned. I, I guess I've learned a little bit about how I can handle being inside of a apartment building for seven months straight every day, pretty much. Yeah. No, I feel like you've got to write, write about that. Pass that knowledge along. <laughs> yeah. That's hopefully knowledge that no one else needs ever again. Mm -hmm. 
or maybe maybe not in the paintings yeah um <laughs> no that that's great and then anything that you might have learned about yourself wait we don't have do you have time for this answer <laughs> <laughs> so a lot then we'll run another hour oh yeah i'm learning <laughs> things about myself all the time the great thing about i think one of the great things about being married and for a long time well i don't know it's 20 it's being with someone for 20 years a long time it being with someone for a long time and then also having a child is you're constantly learning about yourself and trying to improve and realizing that you're messing that up and you've got to do this and you know and you're just not kind of it just there were so many things before that i would just say oh i wouldn't even think about or that's just me or you know, become very self-centered or sort of don't think about the bigger picture as much maybe so yeah i feel like you know that side of things like being in a family is just like you learn a lot about yourself constantly mm, nice. which is good i mean it's good to be really good conscious of your, your the good and the bad you know mm. yeah for sure i know in, in a way that we're always like daily changing which is great as well definitely i i also have learned we have two cats now and we used to only have one cat and <laughs> and people used to say when you get a cat you should get two and i always thought like well, that seems excessive and that's i don't think that's true but now that we have two cats i think it is true <laughs> nice. i say that is because my cat is here next to me looking at me and it, she really wants to get on mic i think oh you can put her on the mic for a minute i mean <laughs> she literally just left the room when i said that <laughs> um, she got stage fright yeah she's out but yeah oh. i i I've, uh, I, I, I've, let's say I've learned a lot, but probably not as much as I need to. Yeah, well, it's a continual thing. Maybe you'll have a just different answer in a year, so you know. No, oh, definitely that's really great. And that's great. and you know, doing the podcast that I do, like every week, I learn a lot about the artists that I'm speaking to, and I think you learn a little bit about yourself when you speak to other people about their life and their, you know, what makes totally them agree. who they are. So. In that sense, that's one of the most valuable things about it, I think, because it, it just teaches you, you know? Mm, yeah, completely agree. Well, Brian Alfred, thank you so much. If you want to look at um, any of Brian's work, you can also look at his website, brianalfred.net. That's right, isn't it? That is right. Great. All right. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. That was great to talk. <laughs>